This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash, your door to more. You know who came in handy uh, over our wedding weekend? DoorDash. We were in Savannah getting married. Beautiful weekend, but obviously with a baby and a lot going on with planning a wedding, there was a lot of little things we forgot, like batteries. Also, we had a little late night party with some friends, DoorDash some alcohol. It was amazing, you know, when you're, especially when you're in a city that you're not from, well, I'm now he's familiar with Savannah, but you don't have all the convenience of travel and things like that. There is nothing better than having DoorDash by your side to send out and have whatever you need basically delivered right to your door, whether it's food, whether it's snacks, whether it's batteries, whether it's alcohol, DoorDash has you covered. One of my favorite things about DoorDash is when you are leaving somewhere and you're so hungry and you're like, okay, I'm going to order DoorDash. And by the time I get home, Boom. it's at the door. I'm ready. Hot it's and ready. So good. So whether you're sick at home, you need to restock alcohol for that party, or you just need some essentials that you just don't feel like going out late at night, DoorDash has you covered. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Must be 21 years or older to order alcohol. Drink responsibly. Alcohol available only in select markets. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Vile Files. My name's Nick. How you doing? I wonder if I have it need to be a cult leader. Sometimes I wonder. Do you think I, I think could? you could be a cult leader. Yeah, I could do it? I think a lot of us could do it. I don't know. I don't know what your cult would be, though. I don't know. Like the cult for people who like keep cabinet doors open. There you go. And you ask, <laughs> why would I say something so nutty? <laughs> We'll get to nuts later in this episode. <laughs> but uh, we have a, a fantastic episode because uh, if you are fascinated by cults, uh, as, as I think most of us are, and uh, or maybe we saw the uh, documentary called The Vow on uh, HBO and the uh, sex cult that uh, was Nexium or is Nexium. We have two of the stars, I guess you call it, uh, from uh, the, the show The Vow. Sarah and her husband Nippy, who were uh, very high up and part of Nexium and and interacted and knew Keith Ranieri, who is now in jail for, I think, life. And uh, we get in talking about cults and their experience in Nexium and uh, what it's like to be in a cult, how we can avoid joining cults, what's the difference between <laughs> being a little bit culty uh, versus like a full on cult, you know? Because they're, being a they're, little being a, being a little bit culty, you know, because that. we you know. You know, cult, cult. I'm you know, short for culture, and and every company organization likes to have a strong culture, right? A reason like why, yeah. And, and, and I think the lines get a little blurred, but we have a fa fascinating discussion with uh, with Sarah and Nippy, and uh, we were so thankful to have them on. And I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So I'll stop talking about that, and, and let's just uh, let's just get to uh, the episode. Well, before we do, uh, support our cult and buy our merch. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit culty. I mean, like you know. Yeah, walk around wearing our shirts. Tune into our episodes. Listen to me talk about how you should like control your relationships. I don't want anything in return other than your happiness. It's probably something a cult leader would say. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a fascinating discussion. 
Uh, and so let's let's get to it. Sarah Nippy, welcome. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. We are very excited to have you guys on. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. I, I'm sure you've gotten this reaction a lot, but it was mesmerizing watching you guys on on the vow it was kind of a very eye-opening series it was it made you think it was a really kind of a a deep like look at cults and and these groups and it really i like it seemed to be the big question about the vow was how does one find themselves in this group or a cult or, or and you know it was kind of from the point of view of you guys who have left the cult out the cult and I, I don't feel like we've been able to hear a lot of stories from people in your position before it's always like people outside the cults or you know uh, the horror stories of you know when you had the Waco Texas and then you go behind the scenes so it was very interesting to hear you guys talk about it and it started to bring up a lot of questions of like well, how could you find, could anyone find themselves in this situation? And so it, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I thought it'd be a, a great discussion to learn more about what a cult is. How does one uh, get into a cult? What it's been like for you? And, and how can we, you know, just kind of become more aware of these types of environments? Great questions. And I think largely you don't hear from people like us because when most people wake up from the fact that they've been in a cult, they're very embarrassed, which Mm -hmm. we, of course, were and have a lot of shame. And they just want to, you know, move on with their lives or forget it ever happened. So it's deny it (laughs) or deny it. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to admit that you've been conned or duped. Um, and to see like, how that happened. Uh, and most people actually don't educate themselves, but part of our healing and, edu- and, and getting past all this is sharing our, you know, what our experience was with the world. So other people don't, A, don't do it, <laughs> get into the same experience, but also to have a little bit more, um, compassion for other people who have, and it's a, education and, and sharing our experience is really why we're still talking even because, if I'd had this template, if I'd seen The Vow on HBO, I wouldn't have probably made it past my first day in my first training. Or signed up. Or signed up at all. So maybe let's start there because how, I know you talked a little bit about it on The Vow, but what was kind of those, how did you guys get recruited, so to speak? I know you guys have used that word a lot and I even listened to your podcast a little bit, culty. Like how did you guys get recruited? What was that first couple of days like? And Were there ever moments looking back where you thought, this is a little weird, but whatever, I'm going to go along with it? Or was it completely just like, oh, this is cool? Well, it's case by case. And I think that's the most important thing, the distinction to make is is it's case by case. Uh Um, In my scenario, um, I had run into an old high school girlfriend at a party, um, and she had told me she was a part of it. And she had told me, this organization is great. It's all the things you talked about when we dated. Cause I had books on leadership, John Kennedy. I played quarterback in college. I had every book on how to be the best quarterback. I was yeah. always just digesting stuff to make me better at what I was doing. And she was right in that regard. Like I was interested in that and everything I was doing was you know, trying to become more successful in what I was pursuing. The way she described it, I even said, I'm not going to do your fucking cult. Really? And she was sensitive to that and I was still interested in her and, you know, romantically. So there was, 
a lot of things that, you know, in hindsight, I think she may have leveraged to get me to come do it. I went and did it. I thought it was weird, you know, and I was more interested in just kind of getting out of there, but there was also a goal setting aspect to it, which was pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Um, like having that sports background almost. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, just like boom, boom, boom. And yeah. that, that's, that's the kind of stuff I subscribe to. And there were some interesting people that were holding you accountable on certain assumptions and how you were going about goal setting. And, and it was, it's always good to have another set of eyes on you. And um, a lot of it was valuable. Um, most I'd say it was about 50, 50, but I never saw, I thought there was stuff that was weird, but nothing that was overtly offensive. Sure. Like the bowing sashes and Vanguard was like, I'm not going to fucking do that. And I was involved with the organization about a year and a half, two years before I, you know, I was deuces. I peaced out. I was like, um, there was nothing in it at that point in the organization when I left in around 2003 and I didn't leave under bad terms. I just was looking around and go, you know, the only place you could take the curriculum was in upstate New York. I was in New York city. Mm -hmm. I was going up on weekends to, you know, check in on my goals, take a class or two and then sure. go back to the city. There was a group of us doing it. And I just thought, this is too much time and energy to be doing that. And I left and it, it felt like a floundering organization with poor leadership. And I wasn't the one who was going to spearhead that brigade of bringing Vanguard sashes and, and all that stuff to New York city, particularly when people in New York city were just like, fuck this. Like, you know, um, so I kind of felt, you know, good luck, best of luck to you. I think what you guys are doing is okay. And left under those, under those circumstances cut to three, four years later, you know, I decide to relate to the organization when like, when they have a new training, I'll take one okay. here and there. Yeah. And I decided to take one and, I think it was December, late December, 2005, January, 2006. They kind of overlapped, I think. And um, the organization was drastically different in about three years. It had expanded to Mexico city, Monterey. It had gotten a lot of people in Los Angeles, a lot of people in acting in film. and directing and film and television, people that were more credible to me. Yeah. I don't more like um, notable people. You're like, Oh, well, yeah, they're joining. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, it can't be that bad. So, in a, yeah. in a lot of ways, my, um, skepticism was kind of washing back up on my shore. And I was, I was eating my words a little bit. I was like, Oh, this did catch on. Yeah, this did. I was, and in a lot of ways I was like, Hmm, I was wrong. This, this actually did, you know, gain some momentum. And, um, I ended up going back to LA and around August of 2006, Mark Vicente, who's in the valve mm -hmm. yep. came out and said, listen, we have a film project. Um, Keith mentioned you, he wants you to, you know, be in it. And that was supposed to impress me. And it didn't because I wasn't enamored with Keith. I was enamored with what I felt like the organization was attempting to do. And, sure. um, and I didn't believe the organization when I left was capable of doing it, but it now it was, it was kind of proving to me, Hey, this creating some, gaining some traction here. It might be, you know, and if it's work and they're paying for me to come back, they're, paying to move me back they brought my they shipped my car they shipped everything back and they paid for me to live in albany new york until filming so i didn't have any real reason to think this guy was full of shit full of shit yeah. you know when they were actually doing what they were promised at that time yeah. so you know I, you know i was i was handed a good hand and thinking I was playing in a fair game, at, you know, if I'm going to use the metaphor of a card game, um, but they were setting me up to, you know, take my money, I guess, you know, 
like a pool shark or something like that. So keep, so that's kind of ha- keeps almost playing the long game, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he yeah. actually taught us about that. He, there was a whole module he taught us about people who do this type of thing, like sociopaths, essentially, and how they get the greatest pleasure of destroying you slowly over time. Actually, Kristen Keefe, the person who um, had his first child, says in the vow, I believe, she quotes him as saying, Keith always said the best sociopaths are the ones who are patient. Yeah. I remember that quote. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, hearing the, all that, that's that, that to me is what, you know, in reconciling my delusion at the end of this, that's pretty much when I went back and I looked at all the markers. I was like, that's when I got played. Yeah. You know? and, and he also like our, our, our situations, how we got in are very different. Mark Vicente invited me at a film festival and, but the, but the overlap is that we both trusted the person who invited us mm-hmm. and that's how these things work. Same like with MLM. Like a friend kind of, yeah. 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 It's like, <clears throat> a, it's all through leveraged trust. And, and it's weird because it's like our friends are a reflection of us. You're like, well, if my friend's in it, like they can't yep. be crazy. Like I, they're not. I mean, sure, this is nutty, but like they wouldn't. I wouldn't be friends with someone who would join a cult kind of thing. Right. And right. then so you're oh, like, yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, cults are totally nuts. They are. They're so nuts. <gasps> but you know what's you know what's 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 great? Nuts are great. Nuts. And when I'm talking about nuts, I'm talking about nuts.com. That's right. The simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, and healthy nuts, dried fruit, flour grains, and so many high quality foods delivered straight to your door in record time. Nuts.com just isn't for nuts lovers. I mean, if you are a nut lover, I mean, like I, you probably know about nuts.com because or a meat lover. it's nutty good. It's your one-stop online pantry shop. I actually, I talked to the CEO of nuts.com. This, this, this gentleman was so passionate about about the quality of his nuts. Well, think about that. I love it when people are passionate about the quality of their nuts. No, but they really, I mean, they they do have delicious uh, snacks. I think people respect you more if you serve them quality nuts at your home as like a little, uh, and then good beef jerky. No, the jerky is so good. I'm chewing on a nut right now. I apologize, people. I'm chewing on the jerky. They have over 4,000 products to choose from. Um, they, they really, it's some of the, the most wonderful and outrageous and delicious snacks you can think of. They also have vegan and, and, and gluten-free options. Fast delivery. Most orders shipped the same day. Fresher products than the supermarket means uh, fresher food, fresher snacks. And, um, you, know, you know, people will just be like, oh, you must be a high-end person to give me these high-end snacks. But you don't need to uh, spend high-end money. That's the important thing. So go get your nuts at newnuts.com. That's a mouthful. No pun intended. Uh, Customers get free shipping on your first order when you text FILES, F-I-L-E-S, to 64,000. So text FILES, F-I-L-E-S, to 64,000 to get free shipping on your first order from nuts.com. That's FILES to 64,000. Terms apply. Available at nuts.com slash terms. Well, listen, if you accidentally find yourself in a cult or maybe just had a shitty boyfriend you're full of anxiety or maybe you just need someone to talk to better help is here for you i mean i feel like i would need to talk to a therapist if i joined a cult the segues write themselves yeah yeah they really do great uh cult leaders not therapists important note uh and, and even if they claim to be but BetterHelp has some of the best therapists in their fields for you to talk to at your convenience. No matter what you're dealing with, anxiety, work problems, money problems, girlfriend, boyfriends, um, LGBTQ struggles, um, again, really doesn't matter. 
You know, your feelings are your feelings, and you deserve to talk about them with someone who will help you process them in a way that will make you feel better. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if need be. You go up, you sign up, you take a quick quiz, they'll assign you to the person they think is most appropriate, and off you go. You don't have to leave your home. You just flip open your phone, your laptop, your iPad. And in minutes, you will be talking to a healthcare professional that help you take your worries away. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VileFiles. That's V-I-A-L-L-F-I-L-E-S. And that is Better H-E-L-P Help. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have used BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And VileFiles listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash VileFiles. You know, for me, my first few days of the intensive, I was very skeptical. I was very closed. I was very much like, you know, this is this is cheesy. It's tacky. It's bullshit. And because, you know, I trusted Mark and Mark had good intentions. Like Mark didn't know all the bad shit either. But he's like, wait it out. Wait it out till day three. See, you know, get try to get your money's worth, you know, and that's day, after three days is, is how long it takes to get indoctrinated. Well, that's another good point. If you put down two grand, three grand for your for your growth and you're going and you're not getting anything out of it day one or day two, you're pissed. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to go, well, let's see if I can get something out of this. So your psychology gets behind the fact of, okay, I made this investment. I can't really get it back. Whether you want to believe you do this or not, people do this. It's a cognitive dissonance thing. And also confirmation bias. You're looking, you're looking for making it worthwhile. And so you become more open. Yeah. For the listeners out there, can you uh, explain to them what a uh, cognitive dissonance is and confirmation bias is? Okay. So I'll do cognitive dissonance. Okay, cognitive so have, dissonance is yeah. basically making a decision. And then once it's, once you make the decision, it's going and finding intel and data to support yeah. making that decision. So basically the, the internet today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, but I would no, think that's like at, kind of along the same lines of con- conspiracy theorists as yes. well. Sure. Extremisms. Yes. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who has extremes belief and you show them contrary intel and they totally deny it, yeah. then you're, that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. So you're dealing with a brain that's kind of in its own prison. So one of the things that, you know, there's a great podcast that I'm telling everyone about right now. And it's one with a uh, screenwriter and novelist named Greg Hurwitz. And he was on Jordan Peterson's podcast and it's called building a better Democrat. And this guy does a process of going through and challenging his own belief system in a way that was pretty remarkable. Um, I, I highly recommend everyone, you know, give it a listen, but in, in, in essence, you know, you have to really go in and find how you're wrong. And that just takes a lot of things because if you associate your belief system, you know, with your identity, your ego, your pride and certain things, it's going to be hard, you know, and and that's a human thing. And you need to understand people that are trying to get you to think and believe a certain way, understand that's how human beings are wired. Yeah. And billions and billions of dollars go into getting people to think a certain way and developing a sensitivity to that is only in your best interest if you want to make decisions that are more aligned with what you believe or reality-based or something like that. Yeah, it's really so. interesting you say that. We talk a ton about relationships on this podcast, and one of the things we discuss so much or we hear from our listeners is they'll talk about the time they invested in a relationship is a reason they have a hard time leaving that relationship, yes. right? And mm-hmm. that's very relatable for everyone listening. And, sure. and you're essentially, that's kind of what is going on in this these cults it's like you're like well i've done this already like i've invested this my and we have a hard time 
to to look deep into that, to critique it, to question it would mean that you have to acknowledge what you've put in and wasted. And that's hard for ourselves to to do that. hundred percent. That's why people are still loyal. There's a whole group of people who are still saying Keith is innocent, that Nippy and I and all the other whistleblowers are lying and it's whole smear campaign and the usual bullshit. Right. And that's cognitive dissonance to a T because they, they can't even reconcile what do, what do you say? Nippy, the Mount Everest of evidence yeah. against Keith because they're like, no, but he's good. He's good. He's good. And so that's the cognitive dissonance and then confirmation bias looking the process of looking for the data to prove that you made a good decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, yeah. Nick, people do it with stocks. You invest yeah. in a stock and you don't want to get out because you've invested how, you know, it's, it's everywhere. So if people can humanize that process in themselves and they can do it with other people, you know, it, it becomes a more respectful process. So, yeah. You know, another thing that was really interesting and you guys covered it a lot and it's, it's, it's something kind of goes against what are the, the common stereotypes and criticisms for people who join cults is it seems like, it's more intelligent people who are joining cults <laughs> rather than you're stupid or naive, right? And I, or maybe that's a mix of both. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably overall just a mixed bag. But it was almost like, so wow, it, you, you think that's fascinating? How's it happen? And Mark talked about it, and I th- maybe you and you, you Nippy, both you and Mark talked about it. But like Mark, like the sense of purpose it brought you. Like it's mm-hmm. like everyone would have wanted to join Nexium because Nexium was about change in the world. There was almost this righteous endeavor mm-hmm. uh, and self growth, and it it takes an intelligent person to want to have some self awareness to look within. It was almost like that combination. And I don't know if you guys notice that, or is it just more of a mixed bag? There's a lot of smart people in the world, and I don't really. It depends how you define intelligence. We can sure. get into all that. And that's a whole other podcast. Um, um, but there's a lot of intelligent, smart people in the world operating on a false premise yeah yeah but but ultimately i think groups like nexium can't just recruit people who are broken and have low self-esteem because the company wouldn't function they 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 do really just to back up for a second i think anyone is susceptible any any human who is vulnerable and by vulnerable i mean like you know going through a breakup or having some sort of life change and if in that moment where they're maybe looking for something or craving community or want to be part of something or change the world, whatever. And they meet the right person. Like I heard you speak, Nick, and and you're really, you know, articulate, you give good advice and you're helping people. If I'd met you 10 years ago, I would be like, Oh my God, Nick would be so great on team change the world. Like I would totally have tried to recruit you. (laughs) So I'm so glad that we met now and not then. Um, Well, I thought about that too. It was like, (laughs) could I have joined a cult? And and me now, I'm older, I've been there, and my first response is, of course not. I'm a natural-born skeptic. I'm a free thinker. But then I think to myself, yeah, but 24-year-old me, I might have joined a cult. Uh, you know, I came yeah. up from a religious Look. background. I was like, you know, I was going through a tough breakup. I could see where maybe, I don't know, like, you know, you don't. In the right moment. In the right, in the moment, right moment, you feel vulnerable enough, you know. And the right person. And the right person. person. But, yeah, yes. but to back it's up the right to your person. question, the right person, you have to have someone that you trust. But also, like, the overall thing that I really see is that these people are idealistic. I'm idealistic. Nippy's idealistic. We have hope for the future. I do meet some people who I'm like, even in my in my recruiting days, I never told about it because I'm like, they wouldn't be open. Like I have a, f- a family member who's like, I'm just, I am who I am. I mean, there's nothing you can do to change it. I'm not going to invite him to a five day because he doesn't believe he can change. 
you know, I believed that I could change and I wanted to change and evolve and grow and something that I <laughs> totally over as a concept, by the way, like, you know, just chill with who I am. If there's a paradigm for the guy, like I would never fall for that. I was this guy in my first training. Yeah. <laughs> Arms folded. And listen, I'll tell you, that's the person that's most susceptible to it because if you don't think it can happen to you in a lot of ways, it makes you a can kinda, can yeah. candidate for it. Right. So, yeah. um, cause you don't know what it looks like, um, or sounds like, and often it, you know, it, it comes in the form of a friend or someone you're interested in romantically and they may, might recognize that and go, Hey, check this out. And you do it for them. And then it's like, huh, this is kind of interesting. And it's benign and it felt benign at, yeah. at first. I mean, these people were, they were homely. You know, I was like, oh, cool. All right. All right. Whatever. And then it grew into this thing that it grew into the monster that we ended up having to take down. Yeah. Sarah, you, a lot about in the vow, you were, it seemed like one of the first or main recruiters, or you were really good at recruiting. You even, you know, we've been talking in the, this podcast. When you first started recruiting, again, we kind of going back to the question I asked Nippy, it's like, when did you realize or was, you know, were you as reluctant as Nippy when you first joined or, or was your experience different? I mean, I was reluctant for the first couple of days. By the end of my five day, and like I said, you can be fully indoctrinated into a belief system after three days, which is, I've learned about really? and I call it recovery. That seems yeah. wild. I know it's totally wild. If you if you're sitting and keep in mind these are like 12 to 14 hour days where you're sitting, focused, listening, repeating certain things, diving into your psyche. There's a whole process I've actually learned about through a book called Combating Cult Mind Control, which explains very specifically how you get indoctrinated. We don't have to get into that, but in 3 days if you're focused and you're open and you're willing, it it, it can totally sh it, basically your authentic self gets overridden by what they call like the cult identity and that cult identity kind of takes over, but your authentic self is still in there. And that's what eventually came out. Like you see it in the vow where I'm like, Oh my God, where, who's this person? I need to get back to that. But, um, I was very skeptical, but by the end of my five day, I had such profound shifts that I left being like, Oh my God, I want all my friends to take this truly from the depths of my soul. I felt like I'd found everything that was so good in the world. And I wanted to share it, which is why I was a good recruiter. I wasn't, um, I, I just shared. I just shared and let anyone who would listen, I would tell and and you know, hey, I burned a lot of bridges, still repairing those bridges because I was annoying. I was yeah. a zealot. I was just gonna say, do you find that yourself? Is it a lot of people that tend to like be searching for something for themselves, somebody who's trying to do like the work for themselves or somebody who had like a crazy breakup and wants to change their life or something like that? And like those are the kind of people who are trying to change themselves in it some way that kind of like come across these programs to be like, okay, this is going to make me better. It, I mean, it was both I, at any time, pretty much any time I met anybody, my first filter was like, who are they? What do they want? What's missing in their life? And can we provide it? That's what I well, would think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, 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 and from the best possible of intentions, you know, like I thought I had this amazing curriculum and, and, and truthfully there were really wonderful things about it on the outside. That's how we, people get lured in. Well, yeah, people don't join. Yeah. yeah. That's what's right. fascinating because like you said, you felt and, and, and still believe because it was true is that like in the beginning you felt like tangible benefits from it. Like you felt yes. good. You felt uh, inspired. You felt uh, happier. Yeah. And those were real feelings. Right. Those and, were real and, feelings. And, yeah. and as, as that can't be wrong. 
No. Nope. Right? And so mm-hmm. that's kind of a fascinating uh it's almost it's almost terrifying when you think about that was kind of the blueprint or the setup to find yourself in this environment. Yeah. Well, I've, I've also since learned from another cult expert, Yanya Lalich, is that the programs like this set it up for you to have this high. And it's it's kind of like from that point on, you're chasing the dragon. You know, I'm like, I felt so good. Um, and that's why like certain, I don't know, I haven't done Tony Robbins, but like there's that sort of rah, rah, rock concert, like, oh, you're the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of pump you up. And from that point on, you want that feeling again. Yeah. And um, I think also like my mom's a therapist, my dad's a counselor. I've done a lot of personal development and growth. And what I liked about it is that it was so efficient. And I felt like I went through years of therapy in five days. And I'm like, I, I have like, I've never been diagnosed with it, but self-diagnosed ADD. Like I can't sit still. I want to get shit done. I don't, I don't want to like talk about it. I want to do it. And so for me that that was a real motivator. And I really do think I did all those things were legitimate. It was just that he took all these methodologies and package it together in such a compact way. Um, that was the only thing that he created that was unique. It's just, he repackaged a bunch of personal development. Um, so yeah, I, I, sorry, I tangented. What did you ask? <laughs> no, I mean, like yeah. you said, it was, uh, there were, it sounds like he knew what he was doing obviously and deliberately set it up so you could get these euphoric feelings and yep. it was a bit of, you know, he, he, you know, Manipulation is a real thing. We all manipulate to certain degrees with people in our lives, and it's probably an art form that you could master and learn. Some people are more gifted sure. at it than others, but there's certainly tactics, right? Like, yeah, you could teach someone how to manipulate someone. It's, we know. actually learned that manipulation is just communication. That's what we were told. There's good manipulation and bad manipulation. But it's bad when there's a lie. But we're always manipulating. If I smile and you smile back, I just manipulated you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's funny as well. You, know, you watch the vow. What he was really good at is, yeah, kind of reverse engineering things and just yeah. kind of get it simpler and simpler. So, like, well, if all this, re- like you said, if all this really is, is that. And if that's not bad, then, you know, how can manipulation be bad? You just have to, like, use it responsibly. Yeah. He made the obvious sound profound. Yeah. And he, with With big words, but really didn't say much. And, it got to the point where it got a little stale, but because Sarah and I were leaders in the organization, Sarah more so than me, I was a little more vocal about, can we do something a little bit more here? This is a lot of lip service, a lot of meetings. Um, I was disenfranchised and had been for a while about how shit just wasn't getting done. It was a lot of talk and a lot of meetings. Um, a lot of virtual work. Yeah. So morale was low amongst leadership. And I think, you know, that was kind of one of the things that made, once you saw something that you didn't align with, um, leaving very easy and then taking it down was something we were somewhat forced into doing. They, they seemed to think that we went on this campaign, but when they, it, it turned into an arms race because Claire Bronfman got on a plane and was trying to get my wife arrested. So we just, we just skipped to the end. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. I just, Which one's yeah. Claire? Sorry. Again? Sorry. Claire's Sorry. the Bronfman, the one that was, um, the bank, like the heiress. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. They ran out of bullets. Yeah. Well, they didn't really have any. One thing I want to ask is that like, was it deliberate as the organization organization grew and you know, you had Keith at the top and then Alice and Mac. I mean, I remember the first time hearing about this and it wasn't because of Keith. It was because it was, you know, Alice and Mac, former actress of Smallville arrested for sex trafficking. You're like, what? Like that reading that headline was, (laughs) 
Like, no, that's not that's not possible. We don't human traffic. Certainly not someone like, you know, it was just like, this is right. wild. And then you right. watch the volley, you're like, oh, shit, I remember this story, you know? And like yeah. you're... And what was fascinating is someone who's been in Hollywood and, and, and in the entertainment business is a grind. And you certainly, you guys can relate to that experience. And then you thought of someone like, you know, there's nothing worse in this city is a small taste of success, right? And then that can be pulled away. But yet Allison Mack, what at least it was, you know, shown in this, in the vow is she became even, even bigger celebrity within Nexium, it seemed like. And it felt like, the, you know, the, you got Keith, who's godlike, and then you had these other leaders. It seemed like they almost got off on being the stars. Of, was that deliberate or, or was that real? Or, or am I just, you know, seeing it differently? Because it seemed like almost like a deliberate tactic for them. Like it, it made Allison feel like, well, I don't have, you know, I'm not in Smallville anymore, but I am a rock star here. Uh, you, uh, well, you go uh, first. I have my take on that. You go first. Well, okay. I'll say great observation. And I think in general, Keith dangled whatever he thought the person wanted and used that to his, like as a carrot and, gotcha. you know, like inviting Nippy out to be this lead in the film. And by the way, he didn't mention they flew him on a helicopter from Albany to New York to get fitted for suits. Mm. Like, okay, he, this is, this film's happening. Right. Um, for me, I wasn't hitting it in the way that I wanted to as an actor. And they gave me this, like, I basically got the starring role in this new job. <laughs> like they, they, they made me feel special. They made me feel good about myself. I built my self-esteem, all that shit. So I think with Allison, I mean, she chose to put aside her career so she could move to Albany to study with Keith, to deepen her craft, you know, and she thought that she was going to become a very serious, meaningful actress because of Keith. And that's total, obviously, bullshit. He's not an actor. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Excuse my language. But I think that he 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 offered people what that he thought they wanted that would hook them. Um, and certainly she did become a leader and they used her as a, like you said at the beginning, credibility for other actors mm -hmm. and actresses. He, she was basically a lure for other women to go, oh, I want... She, Allison's got a charisma about her that some some people, I and mean, a lot of especially women, are really drawn to. They feel close to her. She's very touchy feely. You make you feel like you're her best friend when you're with her. And I think that she was then used to bring in more young women because I think ultimately that's what Keith wanted. Yeah. That's what I think. What, what about you, Nippy? I think she was put in uh, a domain where she had a certain kind of earned authority, and that's how she was used. I certain she didn't have an earned authority with me. I didn't really, I mean, I used to give her shit, you know, I mean, and, and uh, yeah, but one of the things I liked about her is, is I would kind of, I don't know, how do I put this? Like, I didn't really, when she opened her mouth, I kind of tuned out, you know, when she was in front of a room or mm -hmm. something like that, I just kind of felt, you know, what are we listening to? Um, but I always felt one of the things I did like about her is you know whenever i'd you know, you know tease or whatever she was always game and she was never like too big for you know to be to be teased and too big for her britches and she'd always you know play along and stuff like that and i think her story while she's been you know conditioned to fall on the sword and she's been piled on in this whole thing she, she got fucked with she got fucked with in a big way and and, and a lot of people are gonna say oh fuck that she did these things and she did but she it's, it's hard for people to gain perspective on how bad the abuse was to her. 
Yeah. Well, that was my next question. You kind of answered it, but it was like, do you see Allison Mack as more of a victim or uh, more of a so, predator, so to speak? Keith worked on her and enrolled her into these faux principles that he felt like he was doing. And in to do it, she had to do these behaviors. Um, and if not, it meant she wasn't on the growth path or whatever. Now, why and how she didn't have the wherewithal to make those distinctions on her own, I think is why Keith was able to abuse her in, the, in that way. Most of us have a certain integrity to us that we go, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Right. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think Allison had enough people around her to get her to check herself. Um, I think, and actually the people around her were when, if she did give pause to anything, I think she was, manipulated into going no this is keith don't you understand i think because it was keith asking she had given her thought processes over to keith and her decision making whereas some people just weren't going to do that and they weren't going to be in his inner circle yeah and yeah because she she and others would question things but they'd go to the leadership to help them with their concerns so anytime anyone had a question about leaving or is this good or bad or maybe i shouldn't try to recruit somebody into this thing or whatever you would go up line you'd go to somebody who'd give you an em and basically head fuck you back into the into the belief system and when you say em what do you mean by that you could you said yeah. it a few times in the in sure the so an em is called an exploration of meaning and it's kind of like uh you go to your coach with something and you'd say, I'm having a trouble with this. And it's actually, I was thinking about it with the podcast that you sent me where you're giving advice to mm -hmm. somebody and you're giving advice to this woman who is in a relationship. Do you remember the one that you sent me where she's like talking about this addict that yes. she can't. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, if I EM'd her, it would be like, you know, what's the downside to letting this go? Like there's clearly something that she has with her ego sure. to, to not admit that there's like, she's, she's saving him and, and can't like you asked, basically you, you EM'd her, you, you EM'd her without even knowing how to do so it. So is yeah. EM like a cult term or something that Keith <laughs> yeah. made up or no, he made it up. It's okay. called an exploration of meaning. It's basically a session with a EMP an exploration of meaning practitioner where they would help you evolve an issue. And it could sure. just be like something you're struggling with, but usually it was a stimulus response. So for her, that person you were giving advice to, it might be like every time he comes back into my life, even though I know it's bad for me, <laughs> I let him back in, you know, or whatever. So mm -hmm. like something, a pattern, like what's the pattern? And they, the, the goal of an EM was to break the pattern permanently. And a good EM could be done in like half an hour where you could break a pattern you've been doing your whole life. This is why I love DSP so much. It was so efficient. You know, you could have an issue that you were always doing your whole life and in half an hour, the pattern's done. But an EM is like a, is a tool. So if I have a manipulate, you know, a goal to manipulate you and I use that tool to my benefit, that's when it becomes a problem. Like I didn't want to get the brand, but I was EM'd into thinking it was a good idea. You were manipulated. I was manipulated. I mean, I, yeah. truthfully, I don't think EMs work. Because there wasn't a consistent modality to it. I think sometimes you could go in and someone could ask you a question that you go, oh, that made me more aware of something. And then, oh, it worked. But you sat right. down with another EM practitioner and with the same issue and they take you down a totally different path. It sure. didn't so, work in that in that it wasn't measured. It wasn't laid out scientifically enough to make it do. Which is what it claimed to do. Which is what it claimed. Yeah. It was supposed which, to be duplicatable. To me, to me, I stopped getting them just because I felt like... You know, unless someone was going to ask me a question that 
really was for my growth and not for what they wanted me to do. It just, it had that feel to it and I stopped getting them. Well, it's interesting yeah, you say that because like I, you mentioned on, on the podcast, it's like, I kind of mm-hmm. joke when I, when we do our Ask Nick episodes mm-hmm. where it's just like, I'm not an expert, I'm not a therapist, I'm a guy with an mm-hmm. opinion, you might find it helpful, you might not, you know, here we go. And that's kind of the point where it's like, it sounds like they were trying to make it like this, they gave it a name and like yeah. there was a science behind it and it was going to do yeah. this. And a lot of people who call up uh, in the podcast will admit later like they don't take the advice right away or they may never well, take it or, or you know it's just like exactly. they call in it's certainly entertaining <laughs> some of them thank me for it some of them have come back on and said that I took that advice but six months later you yeah. know after I didn't listen yeah. to you and 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 to, to Nippy's point like they might come on my podcast and then for the 20 minutes they're talking to me like oh that's you're right you're right you totally read me and then like they still don't want to do what I told them to do so they go talk to their girlfriend and says like fuck that like go get your yeah. girl and then they're like yeah okay I'll, I'll listen to my friend right. because no no you know Nick, confirmation I, thought, bias. I, yeah. I texted you this I thought you gave really really good advice you gave I told it's like that's exactly the advice that I would give now here's the thing I do not think she's gonna follow it because you you didn't get to the which you can't but and, and, and this is in ESP terms like yeah. if I was an ESP watching you do that I'd be like you didn't get to the thing underneath her this is probably from childhood with her where she feels like there's something missing in her that if yeah. she can save everybody then she, everything will be okay and she'll feel good about herself and she wanted that guy to choose her over his addiction it's not going to happen well, that's no, when I tell him to go talk to a therapist. Right, I'm right. Yeah. Therapist. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm just, this is what no, I think. You're not, you're, you know? you're not a doctor. The, the, the advice was perfect. She, I just don't think she's going to take it yeah. because she's, it's more important for her to be the savior and feel validated by his, <clears throat> you know, she wants him to cheat. Anyway, we don't have to go into yeah. that. But but that's, point the is, res- that's the responsible yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Tell her to see a therapist. Yeah. But yeah. The, the point is, is that most people don't take advice because they have some deep seated issue. And unless they go see a therapist, they're just going to repeat their patterns over and over and over again. All that said, Nick, you sit down with a volume of people over 10 to 12 years and you, they sit down with you with it, with something going on. You figure out relatively quickly that human beings aren't that mysterious as we think. Exactly. Yeah. We're all very You've probably similar. seen that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I could sit down with someone and I could hear them start talking about what was going on. I go, Oh, I got this, you know, just because the volume of people that I had to sit down with and talk to and there's one particular, and you can take logic classes in any college, but there's one module that we had that really shifted my thinking. Um, it's called, it was called assumptions and presuppositions. And I got very, very good at hearing people's assumptions and presuppositions about when they were open their mouths. So I could hear it. So I would hear it. And that's all I need to hear. I didn't need to hear their story. So I'd let them, you know, run out of gas when they tell a story and I go back and ask a question that addressed their assumption. They go, how'd you know to ask that? Yeah. And I would be like, oh shit. Now they think I'm some mystical seer. And I, and I felt <laughs> really, really fucking uncomfortable. Like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, dude, well, and I would go, look, it looked like magic. If someone was it good did. at it, it looked all you like, had to do, yeah. all you had to do is, 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 is connect with and hear their assumptions about what they were saying and just get them to think about it differently, which they had never done. Yeah. So for you to go in with a direct question on their assumptions about what they were doing, they felt, Oh, but that's what I recognized was being done to me after yes. a while. And I Nancy and Lauren were good at that. This is what I recognized. Like th- this isn't, this isn't rocket science. This is just figure out the assumptions or presupposition that are running this person's life. Right. Like I need this thing and be like, well, what if you didn't need that? They go, how'd you know to ask that? Well, you told me when you sat down in the first 30 seconds and then you talked 
you know, everything was based on that assumption. That's all I had to catch. Can you give um, an example of that? Sorry. I, I like, well, the, I mean, people know okay. that? I don't know. Like, um, you know, they come in and they go, well, I'll give you an example of how it worked in goals lab. The goals lab is what I love to run. And when someone would sit down, sit down, they go, I'd say, you know, it'd be like a five-year, one-year, three-year, uh, three-month goal. And they go something to the effect of, well, what do you want to be in five? Well, well I kind of want to be like, and when they said kind of, I would just, I knew I had them, mm -hmm. right? Because kind of to me or sort of or words like that were portals into their belief system and their psychology about themselves and how they go after their goals. They kind of sort of go after their goals, right? Yeah, no, I, me, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that was just like what I was helping them become aware of. And if they could own that and I would check in with them weekly, that's what I was working with them on. So it wasn't, it wasn't rocket science, but to someone who doesn't know that that's very, very helpful. And someone who's, you know, like I'm, you know, I could, I can be that for someone who's coming to me weekly and I can go, look, you said this last week and I would remember, and I actually wanted people to go out and make this program work for them. We and we're bringing in outside awareness. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say what, what's interesting about that. Cause like everything we just talked about could is, could be a positive thing. It's a tool. Like, yeah. like maybe you said, this, these are resources and tactics that have been studied and proven. It's and in then, books. Yes, it's in books. And then it's like Keith knew this and then said, this is how I kind of almost get people to trust me. Or like you said, almost feel like, oh, he sees my soul. Like he really understands yes. me. And then that's almost like, and then if you have bad intentions, yes, uh, then you can take that and then you know get them to do what you want. It sounds and, like. And I, I get, I got the weebie jeezies when people would feel like, oh, how'd you? I'm like, no, look, 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 just go learn it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know? But that's also why people are still invested. They're like, but the tech, the tools are so good, and like they're out there saying, you get them from a fucking YouTube video. So what do you feel like? So it, Nexium is like known as a sex cult. Is that how you guys see it? What was Keith's? Alt mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, Keith's probably goal is ultimately power, I guess, and money and sex. And I know that's one thing you had. Uh, his name escapes me, but in your on your podcast, he talked about Steven. ultimately, yeah, like any narcissist that ultimately what yeah. they want is money, sex, and power. But like, what was he trying to get Nexium to be other than like ha having sex with some of the women? Was there a goal in terms of what he even, without it acknowledging it, it being a cult? Like, what was Nexium's goal to make money? Like, how, what was the business operated on? Can I can I get this one? Yeah, mission. To. No, go for it. Well, there's we had to all come to terms with the fact there's what we thought it was and then what it actually was, right? And right. you know, we thought it was a personal development program designed to help people have more self-awareness, make better decisions, be the best version of themselves, all that, all those cliches. And then what we came to realize is actually a criminal enterprise. So um, the sex cult term is shitty in a lot of ways because 99% of the people who were in Nexium weren't part of that. You know, um, I met my husband. That was the, that was the, the depth of the sex cult part of it for us. But, you know, the closer that you get to Keith and, and the inner circle and the harem, that's where the deviant stuff was happening. Now, sex in and of itself isn't a problem, right? I think we can sure. all agree on that. But when we joined, at least when I joined, I was told he was celibate. He was a renunciate, didn't take any money from the program. He lived like a monk, very simply. And, you know, I guess the, one of the reasons why I was so mad when I left is because I was out there vouching for this guy and he was back in Albany having threesomes with all of the, you know, inner circle. And, and that's why he was late for meetings, by the way, because he was, that's what he was doing. And it was like, if you want to do that, if you want to have a polyamorous 
lifestyle and teach personal development, then put that on your website, you know, but don't say you're one thing and do another. And that's, that's the deception. That's the lie. So in many ways, the sex cult thing was good in that it shone a light on it through the media because, you know, who doesn't like to talk about a sex cult, but it was also really bad for people on the outside who were like, but I'm just part of this goals program and now I'm part of a sex cult. Like, you know, that's really upsetting for people. Um, so, you know, I always, I've been saying recently, like, okay, it, it was a sex cult and it wasn't a sex cult. It was both. But ultimately we found out it was a sex cult from the beginning. So I think, and we've learned that Keith had a polyamorous lifestyle since before Nexium, and he kind of kept it on the DL so that he could grow this thing and eventually brought more and more people into it. And this little, you know, his little harem grew, but they were all kept, you know, um, they, they, they basically agreed to be quiet about it. Well, also they, the people around him, the women around him, we underestimated their capacity to lie about who Keith was. And they were also pimping for him. Yeah. He did. He rarely you know? pursued women that he got the women around him to get the women to come to him, which, you know, this is all stuff we found out, you know, when the general public found out in the trial mostly. Well, so, you know, that to me was, you know, to find out you were aligned with something in addition with the embarrassment and shame of being conned, which I don't think we spent too much time there because we were pretty much in a dogfight you know, for six months after we left, but to find out the stuff, you know, whenever it was a year or two later after, and to find out um, some of the women that were around him that Sarah and I would see when we come to town that were, they were being abused. And these are, these are little girls, Nick, like these are, these are like underage. I mean, if you, 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 well, some well, of them some were, some and of them had were. been abused since they were underage. Yeah. That's this, what came out in the trial. One of the women was 15 when she, these were her. these were good people, you know. Still are good people, but like we were around them and didn't know this was going on. Like I, they, like, they, they seem some of the oftentimes they seemed miserable, but we didn't know why. We thought yeah. we 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 just thought that they were working through stuff. <laughs> did they also feel like? Him. Did they also feel like they had like the secret? Like they were keeping a secret for him, so they had this power, and that made them feel special. I think so. I think some of them. I can see that with Allison and some of the other women, some of the women that are still in that they felt like, yeah. He well, I don't think the ones, them. the ones that were underage necessarily felt that. I mean, there's an arrested development. I think that goes on if you've been, if that's the only person you've been with since 15 or 16 or, or, or we don't know. I mean, well, he, a lot of the women that are, that he got, he got when they were late teens, early twenties. Like I joined when I was 27, turning 28. And I think that's one of the things that saved me in the end is that somewhere intuitively I kept him at arm's length. That's mm -hmm. nuts. I, I actually, <laughs> it is nuts. Yeah, it I was, nuts. I was yeah. doing some more, you know, research, and I actually recently there was this interview in this article by Danielle Roberts, Doctor Danielle Roberts. Do you guys mm -hmm. know her? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she and, did my branding. She oh okay so, yeah okay then yeah I guess yeah. you do. Uh, she recently gave an interview. It sounds yeah. like she's still a believer or in it, or maybe that's not true, but at least still defending nope. the act of branding as if like Correct. you, they all wanted to do that. In the moment it was, and that to me, like watching the interviews seemed to be the scariest part yeah. of it all because it's, I mean, I don't know if nuance is the right word because it's like you could see that she believed everything that she was saying. Yeah. Like that she wasn't lying, that she was like, she believed that like, yeah, maybe you were laughing or someone else was laughing or maybe you did agree to it. But like mm -hmm. there was no recognition of like, 
what you had to that, say and the, the like <laughs> everything that led up to that moment of getting like you to go along with it that kind of manipulation and training and and it, where do you come to terms with that or how what is that like or how can people become more aware of it because that was crazy watching oh the god interview. can i answer that one nippy and then you can yeah i have okay. my diet i know i know i want to just just to say because i first of all have to say like it's incredibly sad to me that she's still drinking the kool-aid by the way i don't know if you saw my shirt it says beware of the kool-aid yeah um it's my cult shirt um she has to believe that what she did was good because she's a doctor. She, I believe at her core, she's a good person. She wants to help people. She got led astray by a very manipulative man. And so she has to stick to the story in her, in response to the, they wanted it. That's like saying like a rapist saying she wanted it. Would you think I, a married woman would want Keith's initials on my body? Fuck no. You know, the, the, that was kept from me. The women at the top, the eight line, the top line women under Keith in, in the women's sorority were all in love with Keith. If they want to get Keith's initials on their body, you know, weird, but all the power to them if that's what they want. For the other women, we did not want that. They, they lied to us. They said they were getting a tattoo. They said it was going to be the symbol for the elements. Nobody would have agreed to it had they been honest said, okay, listen, we're doing this women's group, but because Keith started it, we're going to put your, his initials on your body as a tribute. <laughs> like, And they didn't tell no. you that. Yeah. No, 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 no. So she, she says that we wanted it. Was I laughing in the room? I, I cried. I was, I was in horror. Did I laugh at some points during that five hour procedure with all the other women? Yes. Yeah. We also had awkward to. laugh all the time. Awkward laugh. I yeah. totally laugh. And I even talked about this in my book. Like, I had to gaslight myself to stay there, to not, because I mean, obviously if I knew what I know now and I saw that, I'd be like, are you kidding? I'm not doing that. I'm not putting that on my body. There's no way, you know, but I had in my head, Keith's words, the indoctrination of this is why women need a woman, uh, this empowerment group, because we don't stick, stay to our word. We, we break secrets. We're, we're indulgent. We, we can't, stand through pain like men do we have to like which is also total bullshit because bullshit women give too. birth and that's the most pain you can ever imagine anyway my point being danielle that interview with danielle was last week it's been a, actually a pretty heavy duty nexium week because that came out and her and, and like eight other women from the dossier project came out with their statement basically saying <laughs> that this whole thing keith's in jail because of sarah edmondson's false narrative and to which my I would respond, even if this was a totally false narrative on my part, like what about all the other women, all the other victims that came forward and, and did testimony in the trial? Like the, 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 they have to deny so many people's perspective and truth to say, to hold on to their perspective. So it's, 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 a, it's been a heavy week, I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Are they yeah. still recruiting? I think so. Yeah. I, they, I, I don't, I, you know, I, into I, what? Like I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what is Nexium? Yeah. What is Nexium now, if anything? I mean, does there's it exist? There's, there's just a group left. of people who believe that Keith is innocent. I mean, they're not doing anything other than trying to defend him. <clears throat> yeah, they've just doubled. They've just doubled down on their narrative, and you know, it's it's an interesting thing because if if I could press a button and have those people go back to their lives and live fruitful lives, I'd press it, right? And I think anytime you come out with something that's contrary to their negative, they become more emboldened to dig their heels in and fight. And Sarah, for some reason, has emerged as the figurehead to fight uh, in this. Um, 
And Probably because I've been most vocal. More than well, I mean, more not, than Mark, because I feel like well, you and Mark were kind of like it seemed like we watching the vow, the two people leading the charge against uh, Nixon yeah, and Keith. Yeah, definitely both yeah. of us. But right now, they seem to be wanting to pr- disprove my narrative or whatever, or just yeah, people. I think it's I reven- personally. I think it's revenge. I mean, I, 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 revenge masquerading as nobility and to double down on their narrative. Um is an insult to so many people's intelligence. You know, they, they issued the judge an affidavit about the corruption in the case. It's just, you know, if they understood the scope of how things work, they'd recognize that they're throwing rocks at tanks and they're, they're not really going to get far. Um, this thing was going to end one way or the other. Once my wife came home with a brand in her pubic area. Oh. And I told Sarah, if she had come back with as much a mark on her arm, I would have been in there with the baseball bat. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, say what you said today about Danielle. Like, even if we, even if we did, oh, that's the other thing is that she said we wanted it. There's a videotape of Keith saying to Allison, set up the branding so that the women ask to yeah. be branded so it looks consensual. So, yeah, they have, <laughs> like, they have to ignore it. She can't, that's cognitive dissonance. She can't take that in. Yeah. She can't take it in. Where yeah. are like Nancy, Lauren, I know Allison's. Uh, up for sentencing uh, Danielle like who like where are they now are are who's going to jail who's not going to jail and where where did they draw the line between people who were victimized by the cult and people who were you know part of this um it, it's a good question it's a good question i don't think they're done drawing it um i know I nancy yeah Sorry. nancy nancy lauren and kathy russell and, and Allison. Allison Mack pled guilty. Um, and they're awaiting means, sentencing. They're awaiting sentencing. Um, and, and, and what they'll get sentenced, I don't know, because it depends. You know, this judge really came down hard. Um, and I think he came down hard on Keith for obvious reasons, but he came down hard on Claire Bronfen because Claire Bronfen was doubling down on, you know, she didn't think Keith was bad. Yeah. She and, pled and, guilty, but she said, but, but he's a good man and I wouldn't change anything yeah, and, and like he, wasn't willing to denounce him. And he just said, listen, you don't get it. Spend six years to think about it. And eight that, years, that, almost eight years. Yeah, she got. in counting. Yeah, we and thought then, she was going to get two. So I think that's going to send a message to how Nancy, Lauren, and Kathy show up to court. Um, because isn't Allison up? She she could face up to forty. I think it was. Uh, I mean, whether yeah, she gets I, it or not, but that that could be the max. She I don't she could think she counts. will. Yeah, I don't think she will. Um, because I think. She's had a long, we'll see. I mean, she's had a long time to be away from him and, and hopefully have her family and, and other people come in and kind of um, talk sense into her. We've and, heard that she's woken up actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause you're either drinking the Kool-Aid or you're not. And once you wake up, you, you can't go back. You really can't. Um, I want to close things out in terms of like big picture on a mac- macro level. You talked a little bit about Tony Robbins. Obviously people have questions between, cults, religion, a lot of things. When I watched The Vow, I thought of one of the companies I worked for, U.S. Cellular. It's a regional cell phone character back in the day. And their CEO at the time, they talked a lot about culture. Culture was big to them. And a lot of times we were like, hey, you're drinking the Kool-Aid of U.S. Cellular? Because it was very much about a lot of people would get up at these mediums and talk about how U.S. Cellular changed their life. It wasn't a job. It was a purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And so where where are the distinctions between these self-help groups and this euphoric feeling people get from like a Tony Robbins seminar or or religion 
or or and things like that because you know Keith for example sometimes the criticism could be you see Keith he took these practical uh things that he read in books and his manipulation texts some of which could be used in a good way and he turned it and used it against people you could say the same things about the bible religion religion is weaponized all the time and so where do we draw the line between what is a religious uh, and, and it's good uh, versus a cult versus a self-help group <laughs> versus a cult etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> That's a really good question. It's actually why we decided to start our podcast a little bit culty because, you know, we th we acknowledged that we were in a cult back in the day, but we thought it was a, a a thriving group of happy, successful people wanting to support each other. And we were even taught that a cult is something where there's a deception, where there's a lie. And we just couldn't see what that was. We couldn't see what was the bad thing. So, you know, we now know that there is a there's like a continuum. Um from being like very healthy, a group where you can leave at will, where you can, you know, if you have a doubt, you can question it without being gaslit, where you understand the, you know, the mechanisms of how the company works, the group works, and it's all transparent to, you know, on the far other end of the continuum where it's a, it's a, like a, a totalitarian dictatorship <laughs> where there's usually one person, often a man, a very charismatic leader, and you can't question, you can't without being punished or, um, you know, hurt in some way and, and everything in between. And there's, you know, various red flags that, that we've been talking about and that we've learned that would say, hey, this is now gone from personal development to a cult. And often there's things like you're, you know, you're dependent, like you can't, you, you, you can't function without the group. Um, and also like one thing that we, the red flag that we always tell people is like, is there any allegations against the group? You know, are there any, anything against the leader? And if there is, how does the leadership respond to that? If they say, well, that's just a bunch of craziness or that's just a smear campaign. Like that's not, a, that's not enough of an answer <clears throat> where there's smoke, there's fire is generally the, the route. But I would also say to people, you know, if it feels off, it probably is off. Mm -hmm. And that's how we were kind of messed with is that they said, if, if you're feeling the desire to leave, which I did in my first few days, it just means that you're hitting up against an issue and you came here to work through your issues. So stick it out. Yeah. Right? That, so, that manipulation was crazy, especially when yeah. uh, you guys were talking about, it was that the collateral or giving uh, these, yeah. these, what do you guys call them? Like gifts or um, sacrifices or collateral? Collateral to, to make sure you kept quiet and kept your word. But that's not yeah. what they called it, but that's what it was, right? Well, was, they, well, what it was is blackmail, but they did call it collateral. They did call and, it collateral. Yeah, yeah, but collateral had been but had had been part of the culture of Nexium for a while. People put down collateral like, I'm going to put down $500, and if I nag my husband one more time, I'm giving it to charity. Yeah. That would probably work for us, hey, babe? <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> right? that they make it a good thing first, and all of a sudden yeah. it turns into yes. like this, like, send me a nude. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah and, which and is, yeah. And that's all <laughs> just to really just to finish that real quick anyone listening going like what you gave a nude photo i get it it sounds fucked up how could you get to that point that's why we decided to do the vow why i wrote my book so people could understand how i got from i'm taking a personal development program to i'm giving a nude to my best friend to him you know like it happens in stages it doesn't happen overnight it took yeah. me 12 years to get to that point talking about long game you know keith long game i wouldn't have i would never have agreed to any of this if i knew where it was going so, but um, like even then on yeah. the show, they were talking about like whether well, it was Lauren who she pushed back by saying you're just 
it's control for you. You have to let go. Like they were trying, yeah. like it was like the seminar about letting go. So like to let go, you yeah. need to like do this crazy shit because like yep. it was just like, yep. well, I guess, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you don't say ask it any like questions. That, yeah. yeah I, I, I committed to working my issues. So that means I can't ask any questions and just go along with it because that will help me with my control issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, add, add a little too. It's like there's destructive cults and then there's just like the chess club. You know, I mean, the chess club can be, you know, can be a little culty vibe to it. Um, but if you listen to, I think it's in Stephen Hawkins. Anything that addresses control over your behavior, information, thought, or intellectual uh, domain, emotions, emotions, emotions is, yeah. Is, yeah, sorry, <laughs> emotions <laughs> um, is normally designed to get you to to control you. Um, and one of the things too is, you know, every, we're bringing experts on, but I think, you know, one of the things that, and thank you for having us on here is, you know, Sarah and I can kind of provide a, uh, stop gap because normally if you're talking to a cold expert, it's probably too late, you know, either <laughs> you or someone you love has been affected. And if you can identify these, these behaviors and, and what it looks like and sounds like, you know, you can just kick the tires a little bit on something and then move on, uh, which is, I wish I had done, you know, and I'd had something like the vow or a podcast, you know, back 2001 when I first did my first training before podcasts even existed. Podcasts are going to save people's lives. I think for a you lot know, of things. Well, also collectively, collectively, this kind these kinds of behaviors, you know, are, are, are being brought to a, a collective consciousness and being outed in a lot, in a lot of domains. So, Less acceptable. No. Um, the more you can articulate, the more you can talk about it, uh, the better. For sure. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you mentioned like, and that one pocket I listened to, like just the rise of conspiracy theories have a kind of a cult like following yeah. to them yeah. and the same type of messaging. And so like, this stuff is out there and it's prevalent. And uh, whether you think you're going to join a cult, I think it's, it's, good to be kind of mindful of these manipulation tactics that can be used by anyone, right? Whether right. you're in a cult or not, like it's, mm -hmm. you know, we often want to be better and we have a sense of purpose and righteousness about us. And, and we have to be, unfortunately we live in a world where people try to take advantage of that. And yep. um, that can be pretty scary. Um, any final thoughts before uh, we let you go? This has been really fascinating, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, I, I uh, can only imagine how vulnerable it is for you guys to to relive this back and, and talk about it. And uh, it's certainly brave of you guys to just be so open and honest about it, because I think, like you said, a lot of people just like pretend. I'm assuming never happened. Uh, you mentioned mm -hmm. a lot of people who leave cults don't do the work. You know, they might have, yeah. but then and because it's like, well, fuck it. I, to do the work, it has to. I have to say I was in a cult, and that. Yeah. No one wants to say that, you know. You have to swallow your pride. Especially yeah. a sex cult, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. got to be tough. I kind of, you know. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I have a hard time being like, oh, I don't know. Like, why? I went on this crazy reality TV show. It was a little weird. some culty <laughs> stuff to that. But, like, whatever. It's fine. It wasn't a cult, you know. So Just so you know, what you just said is exactly how I felt when I was agreeing to DOS. I didn't think that Lauren was actually my master. <sighs> I was like, this is something I'm agreeing to as a sort of thing that we're going to, you know, we're all on the same page. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I so mean, even like, when Nippy was like, oh, mm -hmm. I had here you and know, I first went to my meeting at his hands crossed. I literally mm -hmm. thought back to my like first couple days on set. We're like, all right, I'm here for this fucking show. Let's see where it goes. Like, I'll give it a <laughs> shot. And like the next thing you know, I'm like, I love you. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, weird. Marry me. Marry me. I can't live without you. <laughs> Uh, we, we 
have way more in common than I ever would have thought. Yeah. And we also both love pimples, which I learned from your last episode. Love popping, oh, so popping gross. pimples. Yeah. So gross. Nippy has not had a good one recently, and I'm very disappointed. It's such a gratifying thing. Oh, this um, is disgusting. Popping. I just wanted to wrap up on it's a It's as light, offensive as that drawer being open. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm with Chrissy. I'm a, I'm with <laughs> no, Chrissy. Like, I think in any relationship, it, you have to have one pimple popper and one person who's not a fan. Anyways, uh, you were on saying, that Sarah. Note, yeah. <laughs> no, I just, it's just as nice to wrap up on a. It's on my like, back. On a, no, on a light, on a lighter note, because I think ultimately the last thing I'd want to say is that if anyone's listening who has been in a cult or an abusive relationship, because it's the same process, is that that there's hope, you know, that there's there's stuff you can do to heal and that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'd say that, like, what we went through is probably the worst experience of my entire life. But I'm we're both way stronger for it. And um, I believe that turning we believe turning trauma into purpose or into a roadmap for you know recovery is is the only way out otherwise you know it can be quite a dark place to live in and i just hope to be that light for other people yeah well that's a it's a great note to end on what's next is there gonna is there a, a definitely a, a season two of the vow oh yeah season two because where you left off is where Keith gets arrested, right? Well, yeah, yeah it, it literally yeah. ended with Keith Keith being like, "What do you want to talk about?" You know, like, <laughs> right. you know. yeah. So there's the whole trial. Let's do there's this again. Everything. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it again. We're not Chris. really. We're not in it that much, though. We don't know because they've been. You, that, you were pregnant, and I, was pregnant, I, I and went then... to the. I went to like three to five days of the trial and was filmed there, but then. I was but I think that they have a lot of the bat. They have people that they didn't get season one, like a lot of the Mexican contingent. I know they have interviews yeah. with like, um, like the, the more of the inner circle. I think it'll be really interesting. I'm, I mean, keep in mind when we watched the vow, we we were spectators of, to a lot of things that we'd never seen before either. So I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be great. I really, I really respect and trust the filmmakers. So uh, stay tuned for that. Well, this has been very fascinating, and and hopefully. Uh, enlightening for for some people but uh it just kind of goes to show um you know how we have to be careful we have to be on our toes um and sometimes uh with our own kind of righteous endeavors endeavors we can get ourselves in trouble um yep. but uh one thing i wanted to say it was really interesting mm -hmm. uh, that you guys mentioned on your podcast in terms of if you do find yourself um interacting with someone you think might be subject to an environment that could be toxic or cult-like in terms of instead of instead of convincing them that they're in a cult get them to convince you uh why they're in something good or not a cult i thought was a really interesting way to start addressing those situations because i mm -hmm. think uh you know i always get asked questions like what do you do if, you, if my you mentioned even sarah's toxic relationships if my my girlfriend's dating someone who's terrible how do i get her to see it you know, and we, I think that happens a lot in friendships and relationships and, and, and just, uh, getting them to justify what they is good about it. It seems to be a much healthier approach and, I, and the yeah. way you guys articulated that was very uh, helpful. Oh, good. Yeah. Def definitely don't attack people and make them feel like shit. That doesn't help. <laughs> so many people were, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the seeds that were planted for me to wake up were people that just asked me questions. Wild stuff. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Where can people find you uh, so they can digest more of the stuff that you are putting out there? I'm at uh, Sarah Edmondson for Instagram and Nippy's at Anthony Ames 11 on Instagram. And our 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 website is a little bit culty.com, same Instagram handle. 
and uh, that drops every Monday. And I wrote a book, which is on Amazon and Audible and all those places called Scarred. And the vow, we don't know when the vow comes up, right, babe? Or do we? No, no, no we don't it's, know. It's a, it's a mystery at this point. But Well, I mean, a lot of it's year. dependent on the court. And it's, yeah, know, it'll so probably, can... the, it'll depend on when people get sentenced. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, is that might happen sooner than later? We, we hope so. Know. I don't know what's taking so long. COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Co- COVID and also maybe... You, you, you know that pandemic it, that's been going on? It almost <laughs> sounds like... It, correct me if I'm wrong. It almost sounds like there are... When it comes to sentencing, you guys clearly, and I get why, are invested in, in what those outcomes are. And is it would it be accurate to say that there are some people... Like, do you want them all to go to jail for the max or some people you're rooting for some leniency and others you're hoping they get the max or is it somewhere in between? I think the people that got the stiffest sentence got them already. Okay. I think that's, I think that's why they were the first two. Gotcha. Um, um, the others, it depends where they are. If they double down on being like, you know, Keith was whatever, I think the judge is going to go, dude, this guy, you know, you're not fit. To, but what do you guys think in terms of, oh. do you have a, an opinion? I, I, I don't, I don't know what the legal, like, I, I don't have, it really depends. Like Nippy said, if they wake up and, and can admit that, that they did, they, they did wrong, it was bad to lie. And that Keith is, a, you know, a sociopath or whatever they need to take, figure out to wake up a little bit of jail time, I think would be good, but I don't think they need the max. But I, don't I, 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 I don't, I don't have the legal wherewithal to say what they deserve. I don't have the, the references for I that. I don't think Kathy not Russell. Not forty should, years. I don't think not. Kathy Russell should go to jail. Uh, I think she just got caught in the middle of something. She's peripheral. Um, Lauren and Nancy. I think you run the red light, you pay the fine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Um, the whole "I didn't know" thing, you know, doesn't really hold water for me. When um, you do those behave the, with the behaviors that they did. Yeah, I yeah, think really- Allison Mack has been piled on disproportionately. Um, sure, she's the most notable person. Yeah, so yeah. that's going to um, happen. So um, she certainly doesn't need. Uh, I trust know. the judge. I yeah. really do. I think yeah. he. I think he's, he's got, got a, a good he knows pulse what's going on. on. Yeah. So I'm not rooting for anyone to go through more pain. Right. I guess is another thing yeah. too. I'm rooting for people so, to wake up, including Danielle. You know. I mean, it's obviously very personal for you guys. So once again, thank <laughs> you. Thank you guys for sharing your story and taking the time. Uh, we really oh, appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Thanks thank you for, for the great for questions us. and the thoughtful questions. And, yeah, and, and great. Those are like some I of the said, best questions yeah, really good questions. I, I, I loved listening to your advice column. I think you're, you give great advice and you would make a great EMP one day. Yeah. <laughs> great. I'll just, <laughs> but with great, with great, with great, there's a t-shirt with, with, <laughs> there's a t-shirt for you, Nick. I could make a cult if I wanted to, you know? <laughs> you know I, yeah, I think you probably could. Uh, but that's, you know, it's funny. I have a friend, actually what a former bachelor producer who has Keith vibes. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, Hey, how many people have told you that you could have done what Keith done did if he wanted to? He's like a lot. And he's also the type of person who like knows he can start a cult and he's really, he is really smart, but he also is a good guy. And, but he's, he, but he like, he knows he could do it. And it's, uh, like he knows he can start a cult, but he's just like, yeah. I'm too oh, good a man. person for that. No, I mean, it's just like, no. Oh, oh, and, and honestly, there might have been a time where he was like, fuck it, I'll start a cult. But uh, he's older now and, and he's humbled himself. And he's also not a sociopath or a narcissist, but like he, he could definitely do it. Ingredient. Yeah. Dude, well, that's the thing. It's you would like, have to grow your hair out. I he has he has the beard. He's got the hair. I don't. I don't really? have the hair yeah. for the for a yeah. cult leader. 
By the way, did you see Nick Jonas playing Keith Raniere on Saturday Night Live last week? Oh my God, that made my day. Made my day. I feel like really good about that, especially because his outfit is made famous by a a photo that I I think, I don't know for sure, but I took of him in 2005, that blue shirt with the volleyball outfit. That's like, I was there when that happened 15 years ago. So now it's it's legitimized. I think that's the closest I'm ever going to get to Saturday Night Live as an actor. So I feel like I just have to relish in this. Moment. Well, same. They did a, they did a parody of me once I was the bearded <gasps> hunk. They, oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, probably the closest <laughs> I'll ever get, you know, <laughs> like they they weren't really making fun of me, but like they weren't not, it was, you know, I think uh, it's a real tribute to what you've created. Yeah. Like. Um, so anyways, thank you guys. Well, we we can't thank Sarah Nippy enough for taking the time out of their day to talk about, obviously, something that's uh, very personal, very vulnerable to their lives. And uh, uh, as fascinating as this is, I think it is an important conversation to have because the cults exist. There are out there. There are people who want to take advantage of uh, of us, uh, our money, uh, our, our well-being. And uh, it's, it's great to feel like uh, we belong to something. And, um, and it's great to feel like we have... Uh, culture and we long to a passionate community but how do we make sure that we protect ourselves from getting into cults because i think one thing we learned about this is that it can happen to anyone so uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this episode don't forget to send in your uh, uh, reviews uh, only if they're five stars honestly we really don't have time for your critical feedback but we thank you for listening either way love you guys uh, we will see you back on monday for a kick-ass episode of ask nick tell your friends we love you bye <laughs>